If this isn't a sentence that you've yet committed to memory, can I encourage you to do it so that you can turn it over in your mind? I remember a number of years ago meeting a gentleman who worked in the shipyard all his life. And he, he said to me that the Christian man in the shipyard, his particular job was uh, the crane driver right at the top of the rigging. And he'd be up there for hours on his own. And he said that uh, Christian men would have gone to their locker and uh, turned up a verse of the Bible and uh, committed that to memory. And he, his words were, and for the rest of their shift, they would have sucked the honey out of it. And uh, I trust that you're able to do that tonight with this sentence from the Bible. That it'll be really sweet to you. And that it'll feed you in your life, strengthen you. And it's there in Romans chapter 8. And indeed I'm sure if I took a poll this evening and said, uh, what's your favorite, uh, what are your favorite 10 verses of the Bible? I, I would imagine that there'd be a great overlap. And that coming to the surface over and over would be the wonderful words of Romans chapter 8 and 28. It is a text that has been an anchor to God's people for uh, 2,000 years. It's a breathtaking promise of God. It is a statement from heaven that is to put a stability into your life and mine. It is surely the most incredible promise for men and women who are Christians for boys and girls who love Jesus Christ. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's the sentence of the Bible I trust will be ringing in our minds this evening. Of course, it's a bit like a lady's engagement ring if she's got a really big sparkler. And there's this central diamond of this wonderful text. But that it is set also in a whole array of other shining gemstones. The whole eighth chapter of Romans is to comfort the Christian. And if that's the need in your life for comfort, I'd encourage you to, to read and reread Romans chapter 8. It's to encourage every Christian that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives assuring us. In the verses that have preceded this, uh, the, the Apostle Paul has been saying that the Holy Spirit lives in every Christian. And because he lives in every Christian, we are sure of heaven at, at the ends. The Apostle Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is busy and one of the things, if you don't know this, please grasp this, even an introduction, that the work of the Holy Spirit, one dimension of his work for you if you're a Christian, is he is praying into place all of the details and all of the events of your life. The Holy Spirit, who knows the mind of God, Paul says, and he's praying into place all the little details of your life and mine so that one day we'll make it to heaven. And that's why Paul can make this statement. The reason he can, he can tell the Christians at Rome this wonderful promise that for those who love God, all things work together for good. He can state that so assuredly because he's just told them that the Holy Spirit, uh, the one uh, who is uh, eternal God and the same in substance with power and glory with the Father and the Son, 
And knows the mind of God is praying into place all the little stepping stones of life for every Christian. So it's certain that everything will work together for the Christian's ultimate good. And what I want to simply do this evening is to help you suck the honey out of this. Um, my headings aren't very exciting by any stretch of the imagination. They're just looking at this sentence and thinking about it bit by bit. So let me tell you a few points about this verse. And they're really simple. So our boys and girls this evening, you'll be able to understand this and not be saying anything complicated. So as you listen in, you'll find blessing as you trust Jesus Christ in your life. Let me remind you first of all from this verse that God is at work. God is at work. Also Paul writes here, all things work together for good. <coughs> when Paul writes those words, he's not saying that things of themselves in life, and life, events of life, have a power and ability of themselves. It's obvious that Paul means that there's a God in heaven and that he is behind everything that happens. I like the way the New American Standard Version translates this verse. It translates the beginning of it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. So the first big truth in this verse is that God is at work in your life. You're a follower of Jesus Christ tonight. God's not sleeping. God has not gone on holiday. Every moment of your life, God is at work. Every moment, every situation of your past week, every event of the week that lies before you, you can say, God has been, God is, and God will be at work. That's really helpful. Because there's nothing random. You know that moment when your um, uh, the, the, the piece of papers come in that your your insurance is up in your car, and if you're like me, you're thinking, "Wow, well, I'm not going to charge me that again, are they?" And you and you phone them and you say, "Well, surely you could do do something better for me." You, nobody else a skin flip like I am. But anyway, that's what I do. And, and then there's the rigmarole to go through, and she, she'll say, or he'll say, I've got a series of questions I have to ask you. And you know immediately she'll ask them a thousand times. She knows that the statement's off by heart, and one of them was, have you ever had any accidents? Well, I had difficulty with that question, because I've never, ever had an accident in my life. All I've had is the outworking of God's sovereign plans. But I don't imagine the person on the other end of the phone wants to debate about that. Well, it is true, isn't it? He's at yes, work. It's true. true. He's at work, isn't it? Yes. And there's nothing random, and God is working out all his plans. What a comfort that is for us. God's at work. But it, it is a bit difficult too, though, isn't it? If God's at work, we can begin to think about this. Well, then, why has there been all this bad stuff? Why are those things in the news that happen and it's, I want to switch it off? The question can arise in our mind, is God not a loving God? That all this bad stuff happens? Uh, or, or does God not have, the, not have the ability to stop all of that? And we can become a little bit confused. And we come, become confused 
uh, with this great truth, God is at work, and then we're thinking, oh, why does all this other bad stuff happen? And the problem, that we, the reason that we get confused is that we're thinking that God is like us. Look at a verse in the book of Psalm, Psalm 50, where God says, you thought I was like you. Well, we're made in the image of God, but he's not made in our image. He's completely different from us. The God of heaven, we're told in the Bible, is so wise. He knows everything that there is to know about you. What you're like as a person, all the details of your life. He knows stuff about you that you don't know. He knows stuff about this whole universe that man hasn't even begun to scratch the surface of. He knows infinitely more than all of the world leaders put together. So how could we possibly understand everything about God? Would we really want a God that we could understand everything about? I don't think so. God is never caught in a hop. God's not a dodgy builder who doesn't do things right. And of course we won't understand everything about God because he's God and we're not. And if we could understand him in every little detail, he wouldn't be God at all. God is at work. Isn't that a really comforting truth? But then secondly in our verse, we're reminded of this, that God is at work for good. Look at, the, look at the sentence. This is a sentence that God has given to us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Well, maybe that's just the message that you need to be reminded of this evening. It's for good. The word that Paul uses here for that's translated into the English language good, it, it has the idea to it of a deep-seated good. Something that is completely and utterly beneficial, useful beyond compare. All things work together for good for those who love God. You notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that all things that happen to us are good. Uh, it's not saying that uh, if sad stuff happens in our lives that you're to smile like somebody who's a little bit strange and say, well, that's a good thing that's happened. It's not what it's saying. Uh, in fact, Paul has just spoken about the world that we live in and it's groaning. There's so much bad stuff in creation because of sin now. Now, our broken world has lots of horrible, painful things in it. Terrible things happen to Christians. If you look on down to verse 35, Paul has a whole list of things about tribulation, distress, persecutions, famine. So, you think of Jesus Christ when he was on this earth. He was deeply moved by all the sad stuff. Remember one day he went to the, a grave of his friend and he wept. Uh, it tells us in other parts of the, of the gospel that inside him he was deeply moved. So the Apostle Paul here has been very careful how he writes as God guides him. All things work together for good. Now, 
Some people get a little bit confused about that. You'll hear people saying, and it's not right. Paul is certainly not saying, and you'll hear people saying, well, if this bad thing has happened to you, cheer up because something good's coming around the corner next. That's not true. A very dear friend, and he's got he's had three major difficulties in his life of recent. And he loves Jesus Christ more than any man I know, actually. Such a devoted follower of Christ. So Paul's not saying, as some people do, oh, that's a bad thing, but don't worry, there's something really brilliant and something better around the corner. You've lost your job, cheer up, be happy. There's a really better job coming tomorrow in the post. That's not what Paul's saying. For those who love God, all things work together for good. And the question we need to ask is, what does Paul mean by that? What does he mean by this good? One of the things you find about the Bible, well, the Bible is a bit tricky to, to understand. God has given lots of ways to help us understand the Bible. The first thing that God has given is, uh, he's given us his Bible. And uh, when we've got a difficult bit of the Bible, we take a, an easier bit of the Bible to understand and we bring it to the more difficult bit and it solves the problem very often. God has given ministers of the gospel to the church, ministers who are alive today, ministers who are alive in the past, and for those who are alive today we can ask them, we study the word, what does it mean? Or those who've lived in the past, we can read their books and be blessed. Well, I've read some dead books in this passage. Uh, you know, I often say the dead ones are usually better than the living ones. The ministers of the past are full of great truth. And it's easy to work out what this good is. Look at the end of the verse. I'll read the whole verse again. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's the good thing that Paul is talking about here. God's purpose. And in the very next verse, Paul explains what the purpose is. It's what it says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that they might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, I haven't time this evening to explain that wonderful chain of God's amazing grace. But Paul is simply saying that the purpose that God has for the life of every Christian is one day, having chosen them in eternity past, called them in life, brought them to Jesus Christ, declared them right with God and begun a process of sanctification that one day he'll bring them to glory in heaven and that every Christian will be conformed to the image of his Son. And so what this promise from God is saying, if you're a Christian this evening, is that no matter what happens in your life, God is going to bring you to heaven and transform you into the image of his son because that's the unstoppable plan of God for all who are in Christ Jesus. That's the end point of your life, Christian. Heaven itself and conform to the image of God's son, Jesus Christ. And everything in your life is steering you to that destiny. So, don't be like the world. The world says to the Christian, well, or says to everybody rather, well, what you want is just a happy, hassle-free life. It's good to be happy. 
It's nice to be hassle-free, but that's not God's plan for your life. For every follower of Jesus Christ, God's plan is the likeness of His Son in heaven. Such a glorious likeness that creation will be gobsmacked at the transformation that there will be in the life of every Christian. Can you see how sad it is when someone is not a Christian? You don't have this verse. In fact, what they have for the person not a Christian, what they have is the complete opposite. That everything is working together for their harm and to take them to hell itself. Just look at what happens in the news and just think about many people's lives who are outside of Christ and no thought of Him and it looks to the human eye that everything is getting better and brighter for them but the reality is everything is getting worse how wonderful then to be a Christian everything is working together to help us to heaven and that touches down your life and mine it means that we don't have to be broken by our troubles because everything is working together in God's plan to make sure we get home to heaven. Old preachers in the 1600s uh, talked in the past about God setting hedges about his people. In other words, he stops us going in different directions. And he keeps us on this path because his plan for us is to transform us completely into the image of Christ. And God won't start a job and not finish it. Thirdly, in this verse, let me remind you that God is at work for good in all things. I'm just reading what's in the verse. God is at work in all things. Just three letters. A L L. All. That's an incredible little word. It would have been a powerful statement to say that, in some measure, powerful to say God's at work in some things. But that's not what it says. It would be even better if it had said that God's at work in most things. But that's not what it says either. It says God is at work in all things. There, there's no little fine print underneath it with the word all. There are no exemptions. In all things, for the Christian, God is working to transform us ultimately into the image of Christ. All things. Well, we could talk about that for a long time, couldn't we? All things. God's at work for for my good end. All the good things. Your family. Love you and care for you. What a gift that is. Is that your experience? Friends. Can help you along in following Jesus Christ. Fellowship of the church. Of God's people. His word. His prayer. The work of Christ. The work of the spirit. The work of his angels. All those good things. God is at work in for your good. All that can be ultimately transformed 
into the likeness of Christ. All things. But not just the good things. And this is where it's even more wonderful. Because that little word all includes not just the good things, but the difficult things. You could make a list of them, I'm sure. You could find out old diaries and see the pages that were stained with your tears when you wrote the things down. This verse says that for those who love God, that all things work together to get you to the ultimate destiny of heaven. So if you're in a patch in your life just now and there are difficult things, even those difficult things, God is assuring you tonight that they will work out for your ultimate good. All the suffering, all the struggles that we have as Christians when we live in this broken world are right there in that little word at all. And God is assuring you <coughs> that he's working them for your good. So they'll not break you. They'll not ruin you. They'll not destroy you. Even the suffering that comes to the life of a believer because of the wicked activities of other people. All things work together for good. Think of the story of Joseph, boys and girls. You remember him? Put into a pit by his brothers, sold as a slave, and yet he became the prime minister of Egypt and the, and the, and the saviour of the world and been able to provide food for people. So even bad stuff that other people do to us, God is so great, he's not responsible for it, but he's sovereign over it, and he'll work it for our good. All things conclude all the frustrating things of your work tomorrow, all the disappointments of your life, all things, even your sin. And you say, well, how could that be for my good? How could my sin even help me to go on in following Jesus Christ and, and get to heaven and be ultimately transformed? Well, think of Peter. Apostle Peter, you remember his weakness, his, his brashness and his, his pride? And yet God would use even his sin to humble this man. So he'd become the great humble Apostle Peter and the blessing to the, the, the world in his day and to us when he, God would guide him to write his epistles. All things includes our mistakes. You ever made any of those? First up. You ever made any mess in your life that you think, I wish I could wind it back and do it differently? Well, all of those. God says that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Ask him about that. You've told him you're sorry, I'm sure for it, but ask him about it. That even this mess, you work for good. When I was a little boy, I loved a particular art program. And at the start, or one part of the program was uh, uh, the, the, the presenter with a big piece of paper on the wall behind him, the whiteboards in those days, and he'd begin, uh, the presenter would begin with a sponge and make a few splodges on it. He's going to make this. And it would turn out at the end the most wonderful portrait of the presenter themselves. 
delicately put in brush strokes, sometimes with huge four-inch paintbrushes. And it would become this wonderful self-portrait. Well, maybe you look at your life and you think, a lot of splodges on the canvas of my life. A lot of messy bits. The God of heaven is so great that he can put in his brush strokes and can use all those things to help you on your way to heaven. It's so powerful. Beautiful chair. I remember one time we were at the uh, crystal factory in Waterford, setting out for the children and all that. <laughs> and there's that moment in the, in the, in the crystal factory, nobody else appreciated the fact, but I appreciated it. it was this man, he always even bored out of his head, but anyway, he, he got this lovely bit of delicate crystal and he got this hard grinding stone tipped with diamonds whirling around at thousands of uh, circulations a second and he knew exactly how long to hold it over the hold the vase over the, the grinding stone without shattering it because he was making something beautiful and that's what God's doing with your life you're Christian even those difficult things he's holding you over the, 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 the trouble because he's shaping the likeness of Jesus Christ and he's working all things for good finally God is at work for good in all things for the Christian, and we know it. God is at work for good in all things for the Christian, and we know it. You see, it's not a promise for everyone. It's not a promise that we can go out in the street and hand out a card over and say, here's a promise straight from God for everybody in this city. It could be a men and women turn to him, but as we look at what it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who've been called according to his purpose. This is for those who love God. When Paul writes the word love there, he writes it in a tense. It means this is the ongoing state of their lives. I, I love the Lord as we were looking this morning, Psalm 116. So this is a promise for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who love Jesus Christ know that we love him because he first loved us and he broke into our lives and gives us new hearts that we would believe on Jesus Christ. And look at how the verse begins. And we know. Don't jump past that. Paul says, we know this. That all things work together for good. Don't you know that? You know it from the experience of your life. Some of us are old enough now to have quite a distance to look behind us on things that were difficult and uh, wearisome and painful. We can see now, can't we? He was hedging me in. He was working things for my good. I didn't feel like it then. So if you're younger and haven't got so long the path yet, that, that those of us who are older assure you, you'll look back to events you not understand all of them, but there's some of them you'll be able to say, yeah, it was hard, but God was working for my ultimate good. So we know it from our experience, we know it from the lives of others, that God works all things for good. Read any missionary biography, and you'll find difficulties and tragedies in, in missionaries' lives, and uh, you'll find that God is at work in the midst of us. We know it from the Bible. We've been just 
studying the book of Esther for the last number of months. We saw who gave her her genetic makeup, who gave her the role that she had, and it was God, wasn't it, working all things for good, even the wicked plan of Haman. And God would work for good. We know it. And we know it especially from the life of Jesus Christ. Just look at his life, and you'll see this verse working out, that all things were working we're good. Then when you come this evening and it's the difficult things of life, you think, well, how could bad things work for good? Well, look at Jesus Christ's life. The most wicked, dastardly deeds of humanity were done to the perfect, flawless Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And man was responsible for the bad stuff, and God was at work for good. That there might be rescue from our sins. We might be able to find salvation in Jesus Christ. And turn from our sin and follow Jesus Christ. And be able to take a verse like this. And suck the honey out of it. Not just for half an hour. But all of our lives. And we know. That for those who love God. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And if you're not yet a Christian, well, one of the little reasons why this verse is in the Bible is that you look at this and say, well, it must be a wonderful thing to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And this promise would be mine. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can begin to follow him tonight if you turn from your sin and make him your saviour. So will you take this verse some of you learned it in a different translation. Maybe, boys and girls, you like to write it out when you go home and stick it on your bedroom wall and you wear it every day. You love and follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's sing God's praise as we conclude our worship. Psalm 93a, we're singing a few selected verses. Verse 1, 2, 4, and 5. Lord is King. That's why all things work together for the good of those who love God. Psalm 93a, these verses, let's praise God.
into our hearts as we have pondered it again tonight. We pray that you would give your people grace to take this promise with them out into the world, out into tomorrow with all its challenges, and to know that you're at work, and work for good for all who love the Lord, and work setting in place all the details of life to bring us at last to heaven. Father, we pray that you would give us grace to hide in these words and to live thankful, joyful lives in Jesus Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. Amen.